Megan. And I'm Jen. And you're listening to the Travel Mug Podcast. Every episode, we talk about travel destinations, interesting trivia, and even some travel fails. Let's dive into today's episode. Don't forget to travel mug. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Travel Mug Podcast. This week, we are continuing our conversation about ethical travel. If you haven't already listened to part one, you can scroll back to find it, but let's get into the episode. Jen's going to kick us off. Let's jump in and talk about over-tourism. So I think a lot of us are familiar with the concept of over-tourism. It kind of, the term kind of rose to popularity in like 2012-ish. I think when I was... I'll trust you. Sure. I don't know anymore. (laughs) I've read a lot of things getting ready for this. (laughs) We'll go with 2012 as the the year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tourism can be amazingly beneficial to a city or country, but it can also swing into harmful territory if it negatively impacts the people and the animals that live there. So it's actually not just a big city issue either. It happens to small towns. It happens to wilderness areas and national parks, which actually um, reminds me of here where I live. Our amazingly beautiful Carter's Beach has been subject to over-tourism and it's a beautiful, beautiful beach, but it doesn't have the uh, infrastructure to deal with the facilities. The, the facilities to deal with people. It doesn't have bathrooms. It doesn't have a large parking area. And it's just been completely overrun. So if you live in Nova Scotia and you need like a tangible thing, Carter's Beach is one of those things. And I'm sure there's other um, examples in Nova Scotia. But over tourism can lead to increased property or rental prices. So that can lead to locals being priced out from their communities. And Airbnb and people buying properties for short-term rentals definitely leads to this. I know we've talked about poor Airbnb. We love it and we hate it all in the same way. Yeah, exactly. I know we can definitely use Airbnb ethically, but it's just one of those things to keep in mind, especially in larger cities. Over-tourism can also lead to increased uh, pollution just from people being there overuse of natural resources and deforestation to build more infrastructure happens quite a bit. Um, And then large companies setting up for hotels and tours, et cetera. And that kind of decreases the revenue for the locals who've already been um, giving you that service. And it also can lead to exploitation of traditional cultures and customs that one's so hard to see when you see um, someone you know, dressed in a traditional cultural um, like outfit or something, and they're doing it just for pictures with tourists. Like, right? That feels so icky in my gut. Um, and all of this leads to a decreased quality of life for the locals, and that's not what we want as travelers, right? We want to go to these places and experience them. And I, I feel like most of us want to leave like a positive impact on the place that we've been. And it's it, over tourism can just make it a really like really bad situation for everybody. Yeah. And like, I think too, when your places and, and sometimes, you know, you want to just do a tour, let other people mm-hmm. show you like what you should see, yeah. but oftentimes the places that are chosen are places that are 
victims of over tourism mm-hmm. and people are just trying to live their everyday lives yeah. um and work around you know the tourists who are coming in and it i don't know i, I, I we ha- we all have to share this planet and i think there's just better ways we can be doing it mm-hmm. yes so that's that leads us into our tips what you, what can you do about over tourism well, let me tell you what you can do here are some tips so research your destination. Did I say research? Yes, I did. <laughs> That's our favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> you can literally Google uh, destination plus over tourism and see what comes up, which I'm going to do as soon as we're done here, <laughs> because I think that that's really important. And you know what? Over tourism, I think, you know, much like swimming with the whale sharks and not realizing they're drugged, because why would mm-hmm. you? It's the ocean. I bet a lot of people are still coming around to the term of over-tourism. Mm-hmm. So until you sort of look it up and do some research, what does this actually mean besides what Megan and Jen just told me? <laughs> um, and then you can really start to understand. Yeah. So something else you can do too um, is visit in the off-season. There's so many benefits to visiting anywhere. So many. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and we're all like a little leery of people these days. So yeah. A, there's going to be less people. I mean, let's just start there. I do have to say, of course, caution that a few things, you know, Jen experienced this last year in Cape Breton. Um, Things may not be completely open or you may not be able to go all the places you want to go. So do keep that in mind. But visiting in the off season will, you know, take away from the large crowds and whatnot that are there during the busy season, which are impactful to the people and the animals living there. So if you are able to visit even a shoulder season. I was going to say a shoulder season. I love me a shoulder season. Yeah. Like June and like September, October are amazing months to travel. Yeah. Give it a go. I don't, I, it's funny because living where we live, where the best months of the year are like July and August. I don't want to leave here in those times because like, this is the time to enjoy Nova Scotia. So I love traveling like October, November, and like March, April are like ideal for me. And obviously those are like high season in some places, depending where you're going, but it's just, just Google it. Like this place off season and like Google is all knowing and they will tell you. (laughs) People get your information. Um, We love a shoulder season. So like most of our big trips honestly happen in early June. Mm -hmm. So the weather's gotten better in a lot of places. Um, The weather's not as great here yet. So we don't feel like we're missing out on much. Now this year, June was very painful because of course we get the memories on Facebook from all of our past June travels. Um, But June is worth it for us and we really, really enjoy it. And I would say another tip um, is to increase time spent in overrun destinations and explore places where your visit will make a more positive impact. Mm-hmm. I think there are so many places that people want to go and everybody has the same ideas and everybody's doing the yeah. same thing. Like I even saw that here in Halifax when we couldn't leave the city. Yeah. And it's like the same five places is where everyone's like thought that they needed to go when there are so many other places in Halifax you could go. Mm -hmm. So that's just a really tiny example, but just sort of expand your mind and think about that with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Sure, you go to Paris, you don't want to miss the Eiffel Tower, but I'm just saying there are beautiful and, and popular, but not as popular other options you can do. Yeah. That, that's going to make a p- more positive impact. Yeah. I think like, you know, you could spend your couple of days in 
wherever, Amsterdam, London, whatever. And maybe try to do it like during the week, like Monday to Friday, if more tourists are probably there on weekends and just do your couple of days and then go find other places in that same country to explore. There are tons of places to go. They are there for sure. And then uh, much like we talked about as well on our last episode, the last tip I would say or thing you can do in regards to over-tourism is support local wherever possible. We've discussed that. We know what to do. Again, your research can really help you find out what is local compared to what's posing as local. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I just wanted to mention a few places that are struggling with over-tourism. This is definitely not a comprehensive list, but it's just a few places. Our beloved Reykjavik, Iceland is sadly suffering from over-tourism. And I actually, I saw a huge difference from when I was there in 2013 to 2015. Like in the two years, that place had just exploded. And it's just, it's really sad because it's a beautiful place. And I would love for you all to go visit because I love it so much. But I mean, just suggest like flying into Reykjavik, do your two or three days in Reykjavik, go explore the rest of the country. Like that's what I was just going to say. It's a perfect example of- seeing the bigger place that everybody wants to see. But then like, like I said, I mean, there were certain times during our trip, it was just me and Peter and the sheep. Yeah. I mean, there's so many other options in that country of things to see and do. So get outside of Reykjavik and get outside the golden circle. Definitely. Yeah. So other places like Machu Picchu in Peru, uh, Dubrovnik, Croatia's suffering pretty bad with over tourism right now. Uh, Santorini in Greece, Barcelona, Spain is a huge one, kind of the original like over tourism place that a lot of like hostility towards tourists there. Angkor Wat in Cambodia, Amsterdam, Netherlands, and Bali, Indonesia. All right. So let's move on to another really heavy topic, Megan. Bear with us, people. Hang in there. It's important stuff. It is important stuff, and we want to talk about it. So we're going to talk about exploiting cultures and people and countries with human rights issues. Yeah, so some of the most beautiful places in the world like hide atrocities that do deserve attention. And the question really is, should you spend your money in countries that have human rights issues? It is a really big question. It's certainly not one that Jen and I are going to solve today. No. And I'm sure it can't be you know, solved anytime soon, but these are the things that you can think about when considering traveling to such places. So Traveling is a huge privilege, um, and it's important to think about why you really want to visit a country. So we found an interesting article, actually, in Condé Nast Traveler, where cultural anthropologist Peggy Vale says, when travelers visit places that are undergoing major political unrest or experiencing human rights abuses, they first need to examine their motivation for visiting. She goes on to say, Um, And gives an example of Venezuela. So one traveler may want to hike the Andes or explore the Los Roques archipelago, while another may want to understand what's happening to the Venezuelan people as they weather political and economic crisis. And we're not also saying that you have to go and try to solve countries' political (laughs) (laughs) issues. No. But, you know, I think it is important to understand your motivation 
and and why you'd like to go there and what you want to accomplish in that country if they do have human rights issues. Mm-hmm. And she goes on to say, visiting some problematic regions can be seen as an opportunity to meet and converse with locals, especially in locations where citizens are able to share their opinions without daily fear of government or other forms of retaliation. That's a really big key. Mm-hmm. To visit a place like that, it can provide insight into residents' lives that can be shared with the world. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there are a lot of vloggers on YouTube out there doing just that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of ones that we watch where you can tell the people are just towing the line. So he asks them questions they're saying what they think they need to say because they're scared, but there are yeah. places out there where people can feel open and share their feelings. And I think that it's important to sort of t- tell their story if mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. I feel like you have to look at, not have to, but you can look at tourism as a way to help and to maybe support countries and vendors by again, researching and choosing responsibly and supporting ethical like tour packages um, where the funds go directly to the citizens who need the money because these people also need to make a living. (laughs) And like boycotting a country can be a slippery slope because yeah, you aren't supporting um, the country or the government, the abusive regime, but um, you're also not supporting the people within the country that need you and need your tourism dollars. No, a hundred percent. And and from my own experience, again, I've realized over these last two episodes, I have learned a lot and obviously am continuing to learn. Mm-hmm. And from my own experience, I have been to Cuba. Many, many Canadians in particular yeah. have been to Cuba and they do have a communist government. And when you travel there, though, you aren't just supporting the people, you are supporting the government by going to their country. The funny thing is, though, that the people like in Cuba, because of how it is now with older cars from the 50s, and it seems like a time capsule, people, you know, go there for the kitschiness of it or whatever they think that might be. Yet the people are cut off there from the rest of the world. Um, Cuba is a bit of a travel conundrum, yet traveling there is so huge in our country. Um, Things have started to change. It's very slowly, yet the government still controls a lot. And that's something to really think about. I'm sure a lot of us understand when we go to Cuba that it's a communist government. We see the people, and, and I've even seen, because we did a tour of Havana and the amazing tour guide gave showed us her rations card. It's real. Like this is yeah. the real life. And so, yes, we got to return to our resort with unlimited drinks and food. And she had to walk, I think it was six miles to meet up with the driver to then pick us up. Yeah. So those are the things that you really have to weigh in your mind. And like I said, Cuba is a huge destination and uh, it, it is a conundrum. It is. I think most people most who go to Cuba who are going to a resort do not consider a- any of that. No. A- any and if they it. do, they're, um, I know I have to say my cousin, she um, became friendly with a family that lives in Cuba. She goes when she can, obviously, um, every year and uh, she brings tons of stuff to them. Mm-hmm. So she is, and she's helping them and their neighbors, and she's trying to make a difference. So there are people, we're not saying no one thinks about it, yeah. but most people don't. Yeah. Uh, so responsibletravel.com actually gave us two really great examples of how tourism can be helpful 
helpful. And so we wanted to share these from them. So uh, in some cases, tourism can even tackle some of these issues head on. Romania, for example, used caged dancing bears. Oof, that's so hard to read. As cruel animal attractions. So bear watching holidays support and keeping these animals in the wild with the income supporting the conservation of their habitat and rangers to protect them. And one of our, one of their most uh, popular volunteering trips is a bear sanctuary. So preparing food and cleaning the enclosures for the rescued bears. I, I, oh my gosh. Like the idea that like quote unquote dancing bears was a thing. If it's still a thing anywhere, like even just hearing those things like it hurt it hurts me so much <laughs> he, reading those words is just like a punch to the gut like it is what? it is for sure <laughs> i know not okay um another example given by responsibletravel.com is in uganda the indigenous botwa people were evicted from their forest home to protect the endangered mountain gorilla so landless and jobless, they've struggled for two decades, but new tours actually enable them to re-enter the forest as tour guides, and they demonstrate their tracking and fire-making skills, plus their knowledge of medicinal plants before they lose them forever. So like a bad news story, of yeah. course, um, but then trying to to help those same people by bringing them back to their little literal roots. So yeah. it's hard to read, but also good to see that, you know, they're doing something to try to make a difference for those people. Definitely. So to finish off this section, I, I guess I just wanted to say some people who like myself didn't know better or even really think about it before swimming with dolphins, as an example, may choose the experience over the impact of what their visit might exploit. Um, and with some you know, that might never change. Some people might, you know, hear these things or even read things on the internet and they're just like, you know what? Not my problem. It is what it is. But I think the purpose of us doing this episode um, in these last two episodes is to, you know, try to have a conversation, get the conversation Mm -hmm. going and just to get people thinking. You can't change people's minds all the time, but why not start to think about it? No. And I know, you know, most people listening or some people listening are not going to take into account all of these tips, but even like some of them right. are helpful. And I mean, I, we've said this, but we're not perfect all the time. You know, we've made decisions that afterwards are like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that, but we're trying to learn and we're trying to do better going forward. And I think that makes a difference. Definitely. So how are we going to finish things off today? Let's let's sum up everything we've chatted about in the last two episodes with just some really easy tips. So tip number one, can you guess the word we're going to use? It's research. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Research. Before you travel, just do your research. Google is your friend. There's nothing more to say, people. Just look it up. Goodness, we've said it a million times. Um, another tip on how to be a good traveler is to support small businesses whenever possible when you're traveling. Mm-hmm. When you're traveling and when you're not traveling. Correct. Those small businesses, they need us. <laughs> they do. Um, and like we said, try not to beat yourself up over past bad, bad, past bad choices. There's that. Um, but to just try to do better going forward. Definitely. So reduce waste at home 
and on the road. Um, obviously at home, we think about it probably a little bit more, but when you're out on the road and you stop for a picnic or you go for a hike and you need a granola bar, don't leave your stuff behind. Take everything with you. Yes. Pack in, pack out, friends. Um, and remember, if it involves an animal, play it safe. Don't support it unless you know it's a true sanctuary or you've done your homework uh, and know the animals are loved and taken care of. Definitely. And then I would say for the final tip on how to be a good traveler, no matter where you travel in the world and in life, I guess, really, <laughs> be kind and treat the places you visit, the cultures and traditions you encounter, and the people you meet with respect. Mm-hmm. That's a good Words to live by, really. That is words to live by. Uh, So thank you so much, everyone, for listening to these two episodes about ethical travel. Uh, We know this is a heavier subject from us. We're usually all about um, laughing and having a good time, (laughs) which we we still enjoy chatting with each other. But uh, we really think it's important to shine a light on how travel affects the world that we all live in. And if you have any thoughts about this, we'd love to chat with you on, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, Travel Mug Podcast, um, and just kind of chat with us about what you think and and what you're doing. Maybe you have other ideas um, as well. And we're going to include lots of resources in the show notes for you to continue researching how you yourself can be a better traveler. Thanks so much for your time and take care and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.